respond to reports of a missing person. The mother is on scene and requesting assistance. Unit 527 responding 1039. This is Over the Horizon and Far Away. Hello, hello. We are so excited you guys found us for another week. Welcome back to Over the Horizon and Far Away, a true crime podcast that covers cases of the missing and murdered that did not get the media attention they deserved. Welcome back, you guys. It's Danielle. And it's Julia. Today I have some more interesting Montana stories for you guys. Um, Some of these, just so you guys know, are a little bit more graphic than we usually put on these blooper and these bonus episodes. So if you are somebody who has trouble with gore or like negative things happening to animals or anything like that, you might want to excuse yourself from this episode but I'm just going to give you guys that trigger warning before we get into this. So the first story is a bit of a shorter one, and it gives you a little bit of Montana history. It tells the story of a man named John Bozeman. John Bozeman lived around the time the state was first being explored by early Europeans, living from 1835 to 1867, so he did die relatively young. As many of you have probably guessed, the city of Bozeman was in fact named after John. He helped to establish the Bozeman Trail, and the city was subsequently named after him. John was said to be a bit of a ladies' man, and he had a reputation for flirting with married women. Supposedly, he was said to be good-looking. I actually went and looked up his picture on Wikipedia, and, I mean, I don't know, to me, he kind of just looked like a old-timey looking guy but I guess I could see it if you were alive at that time frame he did have some failed business prospects in the past but he was a relatively successful pioneer and that combined with his looks and his reputation for flirting with married women caused there to be some jealousy fostered towards him I'd like to take some time to mention that John himself was actually married He had a wife and three children that he left in Georgia, where he was originally from. It's completely possible that they'd separated, seeing as how he was living all the way across the country, but I just thought that was an interesting bit to throw in. Anyway, John Bozeman enlisted the help of a partner named Tom Cover, with whom he was traveling along the Yellowstone River for business purposes. On April 20th, 1867, at just 32 years old, John Bozeman was murdered. While it's generally believed that John was killed, the motive is widely debated, even up to today. His partner, Tom, claims that John was killed by a band of Blackfeet Indians. However, many early historians believe that Tom himself killed John, motivated by jealousy over a falling out over a business contract or maybe even some rage over John flirting with Tom's wife, seeing as how I mentioned earlier that John had a reputation for flirting with married women. He's just living his best life. (laughs) I'm just thinking that's terrible. He He should not do that. (laughs) (laughs) There are tons of details about the story you can look up as, as historians have spent time reading into it. 
and I found that there was an investigation into his murder, and that this in, during this investigation, many portions of Tom's story didn't really pan out. Tom was actually also shot during the alleged attack, but he was shot in the shoulder. However, some evidence points to maybe John, John shot himself. Another source of inconsistency in Tom's story is that where John's setup was found, all of his personal belongings were still there. And usually it was said that if a band of Native Americans came around an area, they would usually grab the personal belongings to use for themselves or to sell or for whatever they needed, but nothing had been taken from the site. Oh, that's, yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah. So apparently what happened to Tom is he ended up moving even further out west and kind of lived the rest of his life. But he stuck to his story for the rest of his days that it was a band of Blackfeet Indians that came in and caused the death. Hmm. Yeah, I just thought that was pretty interesting. Bozeman is known for being like a really up and coming fancy nice area and I actually think it's really beautiful I think it has one of the best downtown cities in all of Montana I think it's absolutely gorgeous but said to be really like swanky and nice and it's a college town for sure so to give a little bit of history on the city at least the reason that it was named Bozeman might be nice I thought yeah I used to go to Bozeman a lot actually uh, you know, prior to like children and other inconveniences such as work. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I agree. I love Bozeman. I actually wanted to go to college in Bozeman, but it's just, I mean, the cost of living is just crazy. And I mean, it's just so expensive out there. So I ended up staying closer to home and stuff. But yeah, in another life, I would definitely live in Bozeman. Oh my God, it is horribly expensive. And like everything is expensive there. Food, clothes, it's definitely not a livable place by any means. But you're right, it is really, really nice. Yeah, I heard, Um, so uh, I think I heard this probably last year, Um, that the average cost of a home over there is now like $750,000. I was like, what? I I was shook. I could not believe that when I heard that. And it's absolutely true. That's the sad part. Like, to, I mean, it's just so expensive. It's mind-blowing. Okay. That's a little bit crazy, especially because the weather is still horrendous for like six months out of the year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That, yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Well, and it's funny that you mentioned that because I'm just thinking like, you know, the Bozeman Pass right there, which oftentimes does get shut down in the wintertime um, because of the road conditions and stuff. It's it's scary to drive when the weather is nice. I hate driving through it in the wintertime. So, yeah, you couldn't even like leave to go anywhere else, you know, on the eastern side if you wanted, if the roads were shut down because the weather was garbage. But and I oh think, oh, my they, God. I think they're at a higher elevation, so they do, I think, get more snow than us. I just remembered a story. The Bozeman Pass, now that you mentioned it, it was like 2.30 in the morning, and I was driving home, and it was just this horribly long drive, and it was in the dead of winter, and I don't know why the pass wasn't closed, because it was so slick and so terrifying to drive, so I was going like a little bit under the speed limit, because it was horribly scary and dark. Then all of a sudden, this big rig comes and starts tailgating me. 
And there's another lane. It could easily go around. I don't know why he chose not to, but it was like the scariest 15 minutes of this of my life. That big rig was like less than a car's length away. And it was so slick and icy. You're right. The Bozeman Pass makes everything not even worth it. It makes the whole city not worth it. <laughs> yeah, it just, oh, it's like one of the worst places you have to drive in Montana for sure. Oh, God, yes. Absolutely. And then like some of the areas, the handrail is so short. Like if you slide off, you're just done for. There's there. That's it. <laughs> it's not saving you. <laughs> no, it's not. Absolutely not. It's there for show. I think it's decorative. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's hilarious. I've never even paid that close of attention, but I feel like every time I drive, I drive through there, like I will tell you guys, I naturally just kind of have a lead foot. Um, and yes, I think do. it's, <laughs> I think it's a combination of a lead foot and zero patience. Like I just need to be where I need to be when I like right away. I do not want to wait to drive there. So, but the one place that I like always, always slow down and I'm like super vigilant and like careful is the Bozeman pass. And like people will fly through there and it scares the crap out of me. Those people are braver than I. Yeah. It's or stupider. I don't know. Both. <laughs> Apparently. So, yeah. Okay. I'm going to go on to the next story. <clears throat> so this story focuses on something that Montana has plenty of, and that is cattle. Specifically, cows. Montana is a very, very rural state. There's vast open fields everywhere, open roads everywhere, and it's really common to drive for hundreds of miles and the main thing you'll see around you are cows grass and then even more cows did you know that in the state of montana there are more cows than there are people which i guess isn't really hard because there aren't very many people in montana personally i find cows to be the cutest things in the world they're so sweet and so cute and so precious and wonderful so this case kind of tugs at my heartstrings a little bit from the 1970s through the early 2000s then again in 2012 Dozens and dozens of cows were mutilated throughout the state of Montana. Several people who lived in the area said that they'd never seen anything like it and have struggled to come up with possible explanations. Some people who saw the carcasses said it appeared as though the cows had been struck by lightning, while others said they didn't think that was the cause, believing the cows had been mutilated with special instruments. Some of them had their reproductive organs removed, their faces ripped off, and the animals were often found completely drained of blood. Well, Generally, like some like ritualistic nonsense. Oh, it does. Generally, predators would not feed off of the carcasses like they normally would. So like even predators were avoiding these cow carcasses. The cuts were often very clean and did not look like bite marks. And there weren't any footprints or vehicle marks found around the animals. These occurrences weren't just happening in Montana. That's just where many of the cases were publicized. As far as I could find, there hasn't been any explanation as to what might be causing this. A common theory is that somebody is going out there and mutilating the cows, which is a simple explanation and makes sense, but I think it's also frightening to consider that on its own. Other theories include aliens or that it's simply a predator, or some people have theorized that it's members of the military. What? Or <laughs> That's something I found, yeah. Around the same time the cow mutilations were in full swing, Montana was also earning attention for several UFO sightings throughout the state. 
Well, some of the UFOs reported to be as big as hotels. These UFO sightings, coupled with the mutilations and lack of evidence for people getting there on foot or with a vehicle, really sparked speculation of there being extraterrestrial involvement. Following a period of relative quiet with the cow mutilations, a similar occurrence took place in 2012 in Lake County, Montana. A three-year-old cow was found dead in a field with most of the blood drained from it. The cause of death was quickly ruled out of being a predator as the skin had been cleanly cut, several organs were removed, and there was no hole to indicate a bite. Marks indicating a knife had been used to cut the skin, bone, and organs. This was very similar to the occurrences in the 1970s and the early 2000s, and once again, no animals had preyed on the cow since it had been killed, and other cows around it were avoiding this cow carcass, which happened in the others as well. Once again, no tire tracks or footprint marks were found around the animal, and as far as I could tell, there's been no explanation for this occurrence either. Okay, well, I feel like there's a bit to unpack here, so... I feel like it's, I mean, you have to rule out the predator simply based on the fact that if it's completely drained of blood, like that's not normal, like a predator is not going to do that. So, and I'm assuming that like, well, yeah, I'm assuming it's not like just blood out like on the ground because you would obviously see that and that might be more like telling that maybe it's a predator, but do we, I guess, I don't know, that doesn't really make sense to me, but um. Yeah, and typically, I mean, when you see something that's been taken down by a predator, it's pretty obvious. Yes. Um, and they tend to, and I mean, I mean, think about it. It's usually a combination of different predators, right? So you might have, like, say maybe it was some wolves that took down this cow and they're going to take with the pieces that they want, leave the pieces they don't. But then you're going to have, like, your vultures come in and your scavengers come in and all these other things. It's going to be picked clean. So... And that happens, like, relatively quickly. So, yeah, that's very interesting. See, I feel like, yeah, it is really interesting. And I kind of feel like it was people that did this. But, like, what gets me is no footprints and no tire marks. And, like, these cows aren't always the ones that are just, like, up on the fence line. Some of them were really far out in fields. So how would somebody have gotten there and then left? And, like, carried the reproductive organs and such with no vehicle. Yeah, I mean, I guess we'd need to know more about the location for sure. Um, And, like, kind of, I mean, I guess if it's not a muddy field, you're not necessarily going to see tire tracks or footprints. If it's a relatively grassy area, or is there a road nearby, like, even if it's not super grassy... Because, I mean, you can certainly, you know, do it in a way that your footprints don't show. So, like, even if it wasn't relatively grassy, even if you have to walk for a minute, I guess if you are, want something bad enough, you'll do what you got to do to do it. But, you know, mm-hmm. did they park nearby and walk? Because then that could explain. Yeah. Very interesting. There's a, It leaves me with a lot of questions for sure. Absolutely. It's just really interesting. All right, I'm going to go to the next story now. So this story serves as a cautionary tale for anybody visiting the state and wanting to visit Yellowstone National Park. Montana is full of incredible wilderness. State parks are everywhere, and it's so full of history and imagery. While they are beautiful, you do need to be careful. 
Yes, there's wildlife everywhere. You may drive down the road and get stuck behind some sort of animal. This does not mean it's okay to get out of your vehicle and approach the animal. They may be in the park and out around humans. This does not mean they want anything to do with you. Moose, bison, coyotes, and all of them are very deadly and very much present within the forests. It's not just wildlife you have to be careful of. You also have to watch out for dangers underfoot. The hot springs, while beautiful, are incredibly dangerous and will kill you if you get inside them. A tragedy occurred in 1981 when a man named, named David Kerwin visited Yellowstone with his friend Ronald and Ronald's dog, Moosey. Moosey had escaped from the truck and ran to the hot springs. David jumped into action and subsequently ran towards the hot spring after Moosey. A bystander saw David heading towards the water and urged him not to enter. David yelled back, like hell I won't, and dove headfirst in. He attempted to rescue Musi, but realized he couldn't help and tried to swim back to shore. I'm going to give you all another warning. The next part of this story is gruesome, so if you're sensitive to gore, I recommend stopping here. Ronald and others pulled David out of the hot spring. His skin was already starting to peel off his body. Another man tried to help David by taking his shoes off, but the skin peeled off with his shoes. David's eyes were completely white. He suffered third-degree burns over all of his body. He died the next day. Moosey also ended up dying in the hot spring. Temperatures in the hot spring can get up to 200 degrees. To give you a frame of reference, hot springs have an average temperature of around 100 degrees. All of these stories were really sad and pretty morbid. To give you guys a bit of a better note to end on, I'll tell you another mini story from Yellowstone that isn't as graphic. In 2020, an Idaho man was banned from Yellowstone National Park for two years after attempting to cook a chicken in one of the hot springs. Him and several friends were caught in an area off limits to hikers, and when rangers found them, they found two whole chickens cooking in the spring, as well as a pot cooking close by. Him and two other men received pretty harsh punishments for their actions, fines ranging between $540 and $1,250. And supervised, sorry, unsupervised probation, along with their two-year ban from the park. You know, I don't even know what to say to that. (laughs) (laughs) I just, who really thought that was a good idea? Like, give me a break. You're going to go cook a chicken? Stop. Right. Two chickens, apparently. Oh, my gosh. Well, and... (laughs) I would also like it to be noted with your earlier story about the hot springs. I'm disappointed that that guy was so dumb that his dog had to suffer as a result. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, he was trying to save the dog, but still. I don't know why they didn't have the dog like chained up or something because there's animals and hot springs and all sorts of things around. Yeah. It's supposed to be on a leash in the park and... Yeah, I just, I wish he would have been a better dog owner. Yes. It's very sad. Those are all of the stories that I have for you guys today. Well, that was a bit of a wild ride. Yeah, I thought so. I thought they were interesting. My least favorite one was the cow one. However, the other two were really sad as well. So speaking of cows... I have a funny story for you guys about cows and Julia. (laughs) I knew this was coming. I knew this was coming. (laughs) You walked right into it or 
I guess I should say I walked right into it because it's really, <laughs> really about uh, some poor decision making on my part. So as Julia has noted, she is a huge fan of cows and whatnot. And so she, we had talked about it numerous times before about how um, she really wanted to pet a cow. Well, my dad happens to live out in the county and right across the street from his house, there's a little small, um, like family owned farm, very, very small, but they have cows there. They probably, they usually have, I don't know, maybe like 10 or 20 heifers in there every year with their calves. And so I was like, yeah, like we can go over there and pet him. I was like, when I was a kid, I used to walk across the street and go pet the babies all the time. And so <laughs> we get this idea in the, at like, I don't know, one, two o'clock in the morning after yep. we had been out with friends. In fact, I believe my brother-in-law was with us at this point. Um, and it was the three of us. Was it him? I can't, there was a third person. Maybe it wasn't him because. I don't think it was him. I don't remember who it was. Somebody was with us because they were the DD because you and I had had some adult beverages. Um, (laughs) And so, and we're always good about making sure somebody is DDing. Um, Yeah. So whoever this, I can't even remember now, whoever this mysterious third person was that was with us (laughs) drove us out there. And I was like, yeah, come over here. So I go to like, grab the fence to move it it's like a wire fence to like move it so that we could like reach over and try to pet the cows turns out they decided to install an electric fence you guys (laughs) (laughs) it was not there when i was when i was a kid i never once got shocked by this thing and so (laughs) i grabbed it it shocked the crap out of me Never mind. Oh Turns God. out we're not petting cows tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and we still haven't pet. A- oh, no, no, no. We did pet cows in um, Colorado. Never mind. It did happen. When did we pet cows in Colorado? At the cow farm. Remember, we like rode on a train. Julia. Were they not cows? Oh, my God. I'm going like to work cows. <laughs> I'm going to. What were they? That's by telling you that I love you dearly. <laughs> They were bison. (laughs) Well, no, I just get an opportunity to say, be careful for the bison in Yellowstone again. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah, if you guys have never checked it out, it's actually a really cool place. It's called Terry Bison Ranch. And um, I had been down there a few years ago before I had kids and I'd like checked it out and I was like, oh my gosh, this is really cool. And so um, last year we decided we were going to road trip down to Colorado Springs to take the kids to Great Wolf Lodge and then do some stuff around Denver. And so we stopped um, the first night at Terry Bison Ranch um, just so we could check it out. And it was like kind of a good stopping point with all the kids and whatnot. And yeah, I mean, it's just super fun. There's lots to do. They have like the train to take you around and pet the bison Um, we ended up staying in one of the little cabins that, um, was like perfect. Um, and it was like right across the way from the playground. So like the kids literally were able to go out, um, our little cabin overlooked the valley where the horses were. 
Um, they had some other stuff going on. I can't remember. There was a concert that was there when we went. So it was very crazy that the time that we happened to go. Um, but what were, what were the other activities that we did? You, they do have the restaurants so you can eat there. Um, we were going to, we did look at potentially doing the pony rides for the kids, but I think the kids were naughty. And so then I think they got that taken away. Um, they did. I remember that. Yeah. What else did they have there? I feel like we did other stuff and I just can't remember. Um, I remember there were chickens walking around and that was really cool. And they had like a petting zoo. Um, yeah. Yep. But the train ride was definitely the main thing that the kids loved. And they like told history stories or something like that. Yeah. Yep. They told you the history about the ranch. Um, they do have like a little private pond that you can fish on. Uh, oh, Yeah. I feel like there's just other stuff and I just were missing it completely, but I definitely recommend like you, that you guys check it out. It's super cute. Really love it. We will definitely go back with the kids at some point. Yes. Especially now that they're a little older, they'll appreciate it more. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we could definitely plan. That's kind of one of those things where maybe if we have a longer weekend that we can extend maybe an extra day or two that like that would be, that's close enough to us that we could go down and stay and, It'd be really fun and do stuff like around the Cheyenne area. Yeah, it was really cool. And we can go to Cheesecake Factory, which is the most important part of every trip that we take. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So um, I hope you guys enjoyed that little story because um, I'm sure I fully expect to be roasted about it. You guys, you will not hurt my feelings by any stretch of the imagination. Um, we welcome roasting. Uh, we do. It's my do. favorite. It's my love language, as my mom says. <laughs> if I don't roast you, then I don't really like you. That's true. And then she might just like do it to other people. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I think that is all for us tonight, you guys. We hope you guys enjoyed that episode and we can't wait to see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you guys so much for listening. You can find the source material in the show notes. To show your support, please leave us a review on the platform you're listening on. This is the best way to support us, and this is what pushes our podcast out to new listeners. You can subscribe on Patreon. We are on Patreon as Over the Horizon and Far Away. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Over the Horizon and Far Away. If you would like to submit a case for us to cover, you can email us at overthehorizonandfaraway at gmail.com, or you can find our case submission form on any of our socials. We will see you guys next week. Bye!